0: This is the Sound the Foghorn podcast. Cirello cut off by Mata, throws it out front. the scores. Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi, covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL news, notes, and much more. Viala's in for Minnesota. Viala cuts to the middle, waits,
1: score. Greenway in, saved by Miska. Rebound, Eric Sinek, they score! Jordan Greenway beats Miska, Edwards, hooked away Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it. He scores!
0: Kirill the Thrill. Is now, surreal. here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boya. And Justin Buck. Hello, and welcome in to a special trade deadline episode of Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall, halfway to 50, joined today by Justin Baki And Zeke Boyat, gentlemen, how are you doing on this Monday? A rare uh, recording day for us.
1: I'm doing good. Just uh, worked all day. I'm in my long work week and catching up on some trade deadline stuff and ready to talk hockey with you guys. And uh, happy 25th birthday. Thank you.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing good too. i uh, just been you know hanging out inside, been kind of, Fairly kind of cold today compared to the last couple of weeks, so that's kind of stunk and it might even snow tomorrow, but, uh, you know, I've been doing good for the most part. Uh, just happy to be here talking again with you guys.
0: Yeah, so this will be a little bit uh, different than our normal show. Won't talk a ton a while today. We'll talk a little while, but not a ton. Uh, you know, we, we, we do preach that we'll talk some NHL every now and again, and this is going to be one of those days, much kind of like our draft preview we'll run through, you know, just kind of some of the major trades, not just from today and yesterday, but kind of, you know, the last... Mm week or two weeks and just kind of run through you know some of those bigger trades what we think um give our opinion on that and then uh we're also but before we get to that uh there is some uh, disappointment to talk about uh regarding our Bulldogs and our Mavericks and our Huskies uh, d- doing the most Minnesota thing ever um, and despite having three teams in the Frozen Four uh, they were unable all of them to uh, pull out a championship as uh UMass, who just went on a crazy stretch to end the year, an uh, absolute bender of wins, um, pulled away with the uh, with the championship. Uh, let's start. We'll go to you guys first. The Bulldogs, um, they had to take on UMass first. Uh, it seemed like they might have an easier path with with COVID and everything uh, affecting UMass, but they just weren't able to pull it out. What, what do you guys make of that game?
1: Um. Well, it was it was tough because we outshot them, we outplayed them all game long and, you know, we were out shooting them by quite a bit and, and looked like the better team and then let them tie the game. Then overtime came along and we just looked like we didn't have our legs. Like we ran out of energy and UMass looked like the way better team in overtime and ended up scoring the winning goal. And, you know, I'm disappointed, but I'm, I'm proud of this team to make it as far as it did. Um, it's pretty nice to be able to make it to four Frozen Fours in a row and win two <laughs> titles. And but uh, it, all in all, this team was kind of in a retool. I mean, we have a lot of good players, but we lost a lot of good players. So I don't even think a lot of people expected us to get this far as as much as as good as the program is. So I'm I'm disappointed but proud. All in one swing.
2: Yeah, I, I just kind of echo a lot of what Justin said. Although I do think it helped that uh, for UMass that they had a call. Uh, well, specifically one cheerleader in the broadcast booth, uh, who was like screaming. But, anyways, we're, we're not—we don't need to go there. But, no, I think it was the same like Justin said. I mean. You know they've won three in the last decade, uh, two in the last four years. So it's, I mean yeah, it's disappointing. Obviously, you always want to win, but so from that point, uh, it, for me, it was a little bit of like okay, you know, I didn't didn't really expect them to get there. So you know what we're playing with house money here. So whatever they do uh, from now on is just is just bonus considering all the success they had. But you know, for me in that game, uh, you know they didn't play horrible, but I thought especially in the third period, uh, they were saying on the broadcast like oh they're going into their clamp down defensive mode, which. I personally disagreed with because I felt like, you know, a lot of it was them just, you know, they were kind of, yes, that's worked for them in the past, but I just felt like there was a little too much getting the puck in your own zone, and then chipping it out to their team who would then dump it back in. And you just, to be honest, you could just kind of feel those, the tying goal and then the winner coming and uh it was unfortunate though with that power play at the end of the game that they nearly scored as the puck kind of squiggled through the goal line yeah. and went off the post. But uh, which that would have been great. But yeah, no, it was it was a close game, obviously. But uh yeah, it just looked like and as Justin said, in overtime uh UMass, especially their D were all and all their guys were always pinching in and, and rushing in on the four check really hard, so they never really got the chance to get the puck out of their zone and uh you know eventually it, it eventually burned them. But no, it was a it was a good year and as Justin said, uh, I, I guess I don't know too many much about how you know who's staying who's coming in but uh yeah no they should probably they'll probably continue to be good and it's just uh as you said just good to be back in the last four teams again and you know just good to always have a shot at it so
1: you'll have to uh follow the umd bulldogs pipeline that's run by a certain someone too then <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> <You're> coming in
0: <laughs> yeah it, it was a heartbreaking loss and you know i i felt the heartbreak uh, earlier in the day to uh, the mavericks uh, took on the St. Cloud Huskies, and what was it was an unbelievably fun game uh, back and forth. It was weird in the sense that, especially the first two periods, St. Cloud kind of mm-hmm. controlled all the play for the first 10 minutes of the period, and then Mankato would just completely flip the switch and dominate the last half. They traded goals. There was one point, I think it was 2-0, and then it was 2-1, then 3-1, then 3-3, and then Mankato was up 4-3 with about nine minutes left in the third, uh, and then St. Cloud gets kind of a gritty goal to tie it up, and then it's like, oh, well, we're going to get overtime, and then just under a minute left, uh, just an awesome tip uh, from a point shot that, you know, not a goal in the league is going to stop, and, you know, it was just a couple defensive lapses from Mankato, you know, here and there, and especially in the first, you know, two goals, which were basically the left guys wide open in the back door for tap-ins, but, you know, credit to St. Cloud, I mean, they, you know, clearly watched some tape of what Mankato, you know, did effectively against the Gophers, and they nullified all that with a trap in the neutral zone where Mankato couldn't get in on the forecheck and attacked off the rush and, you know, didn't give Mankato a chance to set up. And I think that was ultimately the difference there. And unfortunately, uh, for St. Cloud, uh, you know, after, <laughs> and for us here in Minnesota, after two, you know, really exciting semifinals, um, it was a rather eventless uh, championship game where UMass basically just routed um, our whole state into the ground. Um as as we're used to in the playoffs as Minnesota fans and I believe the final not being was it was it five five zero I believe yeah, is the final it was five
1: not then yeah mm-hmm. Bill. Yeah. The one the one shining moment though is like you mentioned Philip Lindbergh won the national championship for the non state of hockey uh, Massachusetts.
0: Right, and I just kinda thought of this. I don't know I had to look into it more, but I wonder who the last wild prospect um, I suppose Nick Swain would probably the last to win a national yeah. championship. Mm-hmm. But prior to those two I wonder uh Mm-mm. who would have been the last?
1: That's a good question. That'd be something to look up and bring up later on maybe. Yeah.
2: yeah I just will say on the just do back to the mankato game real quickly i will say i mean i told you guys this in the group chat but i had kind of a feeling in the last like, couple minutes that someone would score you just i don't know i just got that sense that uh you know there was there was gonna there was several chances in the last five minutes and you know like i told you guys that i, I kind of was hoping it was gonna be mankato too because you know for something for some reason I've never been a huge st cloud guy i mean part of that's you know umb plays them in the same conference a lot but uh yeah, no, that, that that did kind of suck. It was just, a, like Brett said, it was just a perfect uh, tip right up in the corner. And, uh, you yeah. know, I mean, personally, I was happy it didn't go to overtime because it's like, okay, we don't need a four overtime game before ours now. Like, <laughs> right. that was the only thing. Like, let's not do that, but let's get to overtime because that's, that's always fun. But, I mean, all you can ask for is just a close, tight game. And, you know, it's just, just one kind of luck play or just one play like that that's just going to win it. But uh, nothing you can do there.
0: It is a game of inches, you know, as they mm-hmm. say. So, um, yeah. Regardless of of the end result, it was still really cool to you know have five teams, you know, make the the uh, the NCAA tournament. All five advance to the final eight, which is pretty damn yeah. cool. Um, which you know, part of that is just more stab in the wound. You know, five out of you get five out of eight, and one of the three that weren't uh, pull it off. But pretty cool mm-hmm. for the state of Minnesota for college hockey here, as all the programs. I mean, especially over these last. 5 years has seemed to continue to get better and better and now we get to add a 6 next year. So lots to be excited for. We still have the wild. We still have a really fun state tournament every year, so it's just awesome to be a hockey fan in Minnesota. Um, yeah. That's my biggest takeaway. It was fun to just be able to watch that and witness that. Anything else to add about the Frozen 4, guys, before we uh, dive into the uh, into the trade deadline?
1: No, I was just going to say with the St. Thomas uh Joining D one and being the sixth team, they actually uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but they hired actually a pretty notable coach. So um, uh, Rico Blasi is his name. Yeah, but yeah, they, I they he used
0: they, to coach at Miami.
1: Yeah, they're they're starting off pretty good with a a good coach.
0: I'm taking one from the NCHC and bringing him into the what will be the new CCHA. Oh, okay. Uh, starting next year, so. Sweet. Uh, gotcha. Which for those not familiar, the CCHA is the same thing as the WCHA. Minus Alaska Anchorage, um, oh, okay. <laughs> University of Alaska, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Alabama. So they took out the three schools where they just didn't want to travel to anymore. Essentially, said, <laughs> right. "Ah, we're gonna form our own conference." So, <laughs> yeah. and t- to be fair, I mean, all of those three teams got beat up on. Uh, yeah, pretty right. bad. Right. Anyway, Although, so.
2: isn't uh, the no? Isn't it uh, wasn't Talbot? Didn't he play down at the uh, yeah, Alabama he did.
1: College? Sure did.
2: Alabama Huntsville. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's what I thought I remembered.
0: Yep. All right, well, let's get into the trade deadline. Uh, We're not going to go through every single trade because some of them were very depth-based and not super important, but Mm -hmm. we'll we'll go to some, you know, maybe just recognizable names, obviously some of the big trades. Uh, We'll start back on March 26th, so just over two weeks ago. Um, Former Wild center Eric Stahl was flipped to the Buffalo Sabres or from the Buffalo Sabres to the Montreal Canadiens for a third and a fifth round pick. Um, I, I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast before, but just just want to bring this up because I think ultimately the reason why the Wild uh, traded Eric Stahl, I think, was the hope that they knew mm-hmm. he would not wait, you know, the way his no-move clouds was manipulated and when it was going to kick in this year, that they wouldn't be able to move him at the deadline and get anything in. It seemed like his career was probably going to be done after this year as well. He, he'd made it verbal. He liked it in Minnesota. So I think Bill Guerin, you know, heard an offer from Buffalo – saw a guy in Marcus Johansson who could maybe play center, could maybe play wing, you know, probably a top nine guy. If he plays well, I think he was a guy he thought he could flip at the deadline. So, in a, you know, it was kind of a, Hey, we're going to trade for an asset that we can then mm-hmm. later trade uh, versus, you know, just having Eric Stoll and not being able to trade him, which ultimately didn't work out. They didn't trade Johansson, but you know, I don't know if he would have gotten much more than a third or fifth round pick for Johansson anyway. And I thought as of late, he's start to look up uh, like a much better player as well.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I think, uh, I mean, like you just said there, there was multiple reasons, even though some a lot of people, you know, in the past few months, even the beginning, first two months season, New Hansen wasn't going well, who were, you know, starting to kind of dump on that trade a little bit, which I mean, yeah, like, like, like Brett said, it was, you know, it's not particularly great from that standpoint, but I don't think it's, it's bad either. And as you just said, there was uh, other reasons behind that. But uh, no, I think, uh, you know, it's good for Eric Stahl to get out of Buffalo because, you kind of see a little bit of like like his last couple of years in Carolina, where he just looked, you know, some of those pictures in Buffalo, man. It's just like, it's like, man, he just looks thrilled to be there. I mean, sarcastic of course, but it just it, 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 obviously anybody on that team there, it's it's hard to, you know, it's hard to stay positive and stay upbeat and stay energized, uh, even as a professional athlete on a team that's lose, you know, tying the record in the league for wins and the losses in a row, not wins. <laughs> But uh, for with 18, so it, you know that kind of it's you know especially when you know him this is a guy who loves the game. You know every time he scores, he's always celebrating got the big wild wide smile on his face. So it's uh, just uh, kind happy for him to you know get off that team and get to a team in Montreal where you know they wanted him and where he has a chance to compete. So, uh but it, but like you said, he, he's is on the downside of his career. But yeah, no, it, it just that's what I thought.
0: Yeah, you know overall, I mean, I
1: always go ahead, Justin. Yeah. I always, I'll just say, I always loved Eric Stahl, and I understand kind of why they got rid of him. they you know, culture change, you know, youth movement type thing. I'm not saying he was bad for the culture here, but just just what Garen was doing and, uh, you know, putting his starting to put his stamp on this team. And, you know, it was pretty cool to see Stahl score the overtime game winning goal in this first game with Montreal. So, you know, I'm happy that he's out of Buffalo and somewhere where he may get another chance.
0: Yeah, and this is probably the one trade where I think, you know, the buff- Buffalo got some some decent value. Um, mm-hmm. Eric Stahl yeah. wasn't having a very great year, and to, you know, get a third-round pick for a guy that's... I, I'm not sure where he's playing, but I know they have... Mm-hmm. already have Dano, Kotkinemi, and Suzuki down the middle, so I'm assuming either they're going to throw Stahl on the wing. move one of those other guys to wing or Stahl will kind of be the de facto fourth-line center to get a third and a fifth. Not terrible, especially on a guy in a down year, but... You know, it's also a, it's it's a rental deal too for the Canadians. Mm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think he's gonna resign there. Um, no. I think he'll be coming back to Minnesota with his family. So, but yeah, so that's Eric Stahl. Uh Let's see, looking at the next big one here, uh, Lou Lamorello, who loves to get things done early, um, had had sure. the first kind of blockbuster deal. Um, he sent uh, Kyle Palmieri and Travis, or he got, excuse me, not traded to, uh, used to be the Devils' GM, now the Islanders' GM, traded yeah. for. Kyle Palmieri, Travis Zaychak um, sent away A.J. Greer, Mason Jopst, a 2021 first-round pick, a 2022 fourth-round pick, and then uh, also retained some salary, I think, on both Palmieri and Zaychak as well. So this was kind of a first big splash, and my initial reaction was it was it was probably the most, and I think up to this point, I think it was the most fair trade up the deadline.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd agree, and, you know, he had them in New Jersey and, um. Yeah, just kind of getting some of the players he knows back to a team, the Islanders, who look like they're poised to make another run, even uh, after some. Maybe some of us thought that they may maybe won this year, but uh, adds uh, some pretty really good depth pieces in Palmier, Palmieri, and Jack.
2: Yeah, and I think – I agree. I think it was a, it's a pretty decent trade. Now, I, I do remember hearing or reading a lot like today and yesterday that uh, they were also in on Taylor Hall before that and even last couple of days. So, obviously, that was the other interesting one we'll get to later. But, uh, I mean, yeah, Kyle Palmer, I think he's fallen off a little bit this year in the last two years. But uh, he's – you know, like you said, he's a top six forward who can score over 82 games, 25 to 30 goals. And, you know, with the Islanders obviously missing Andrews Lee, the rest of the year with injury, their captain uh, to get uh, like Justin said, some more scoring depth, and a couple guys and the guy in Palmieri who can fit in the top six well is is obviously good for him. But uh, yeah, it, it was it was funny though the picture that you know that was posted uh, on Twitter when the, they have after trade happened because of uh, Lamrell's uh, infamous beard roll of his picture of him in New Jersey with the same old beard that he's had for like ten years and then it's completely gone the next day in practice, which is kind of funny. But no, yeah, I think it was. It was good. It was fair. Obviously, those those minor leaguers that were thrown in, like Jopez and Greer, were just, you know, minor league, probably salaries, just to even out the money a little bit. So not too much there. And uh you know, for, like you said, for New Jersey, they just get another uh, young piece to build on. But uh, yeah, no, I think the Islanders, man, there. You wouldn't think that last couple of years. It's kind of surprising to me how good they've been because obviously, after losing John Tavares, no one expected them to be good, but. You know, everyone knows like the whole Barry Trotz thing. Wherever he's gone, he's always gotten the most out of his teams with that defensive style. And especially having both uh, Varlamov and Srokin playing at a high level at the same time, uh, it was. I think this is a good move because for them, especially with you know Lamarella getting older, he obviously wants to win. So I, you know, I, they're just a team in a win now mode. So
0: yeah, and I think they are going to slot. I don't know if he's played yet, but I believe Paul Mary is going to kind of take honestly mm-hmm. spot on that top line with I believe it's I know for sure it's Barzell and I think Eberle uh, is the mm-hmm. right wing there and I think right now that lot, that role's been filled by Matt Martin who was kind of more of kind of a fourth line kind of a grinder power forward enforcer type so but yeah I mean this is kind of the first of the Islanders you know lat you know in past years it seems like they've kind of overachieved but this year you know a lot of the analytics have finally caught up to them they're a really good expected goals team their, their goal differentials right up there Zeke, as you mentioned, they're getting really good goaltending, and then they lose their captain and kind of don't totally skip a beat, and then they add some nice pieces. At the cost of a first-round pick, which I believe now they they gave up their first last year for JG Pajot, um, mm-hmm. which I believe caused the Wild to pull out of a, I believe it was either the Parisi or Koivu deal because that was the asset they were looking at um, in that trade, and that's why they ended up pulling out, and then now they lose mm-hmm. again their, their 2021 first-round pick. Um. So I mean, they're really going for it these last two years. You know, trading away first round picks, leveraging that future. But, you know, when you're a team like the Islanders, I think a lot of people think you know they're the team that could maybe knock off a a Tampa Bay or, or a Toronto or whoever else looking as legit uh, a, a legit contender. So We'll, we'll see how that plays. Uh, how that plays out for them. Yeah, they
1: actually both played yesterday's game, and uh, Paul Murray scored a power play goal. There you go. Already, it was, already a it was their first. Hit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, well, let's go to the next trade here, and this one, among most people, probably isn't a big trade, but uh, for those in Minnesota, it was a lot of familiar names. Uh, This one happened on April 10th between the Sharks and the Avalanche. The Avalanche acquired former goaltender Devin Dubnik, and then the Sharks acquired a fifth-round pick in 2021 and former Minnesota Wild defenseman uh, Greg Patteron, which if you look at it another way, it was kind of a three-way trade um, as the Wild and that deal uh, snag Ian Cole. (laughs) um as well in that deal so uh, wild win the trade (laughs) (laughs) but uh, what do you guys make of of Devin Dubnik Colorado Avalanche backup goaltender now
1: um it's it's hard for me to say I think he does make their backup position better obviously depending on which Dubnik shows up of course I mean he hasn't been good the last two years or so but their backup position has been pretty bad I mean Former uh, UMD Bulldog Hunter Misca was there for a while, and then they just traded for that uh, Johansson guy, didn't they?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, I mean, they didn't have much behind uh, Grubauer, so um, I-, I think Dubnik does help him, and I hate to see him in Colorado gear, but uh, I guess we'll see, see how he plays.
2: Yeah, that, that was the first takeaway, I thought, is it's just weird to imagine him playing for the Avalanche, especially knowing uh, how much the fans dislike him because, you know, he had that, obviously, scrums with Landeskog and being known for throwing slashes to the back of guy's legs and all that. But So that's a little bit weird, like Justin said, to see him there. But, uh, you know, and, and as Justin said, too, with, they've been missing their last year's kind of backup slash 1B and uh, Pavel Fransuz, who was actually pretty good last year, but he's been hurt with some like mystery injury this year and has been on injured reserve pretty much the whole season. So that's been kind of weird. And, and like Justin said, you would think, wow, well, why wouldn't you at that point, especially with how much Grubauer has been playing? like I think he's played like 34 of their games already or something ridiculous. Yeah, that's right. Which, uh, you know, you would think maybe you want to give up. A, you might, especially with a team like Colorado, who you think you've got all the guys loaded. You've still got guys in the system there that, you know, you maybe want to give up a second or third round pick to get a guy who's, know maybe been a little bit better recently but at at the same time i think it helps that they score a ton of goals there so they obviously don't uh at at their back position they don't need him to be great like they like you said uh with they just need someone to get grubauer rest uh, down the rest of the regular season and just be average because they've pretty much wrapped up a playoff spot at this point they're going to be more than likely the top seed in the division and uh yeah i mean i think it's good for him that's to be the one thing I, i cannot ever root for the avalanche but uh, it, it would be cool to see, uh, you know, see Duby, uh, get a deeper on the playoffs, potentially even a Stanley cup. So, uh, no, uh, good for him to go to a, you know, a good team like that and just, uh, see what he can do there.
0: Yeah. For me, it was interesting. And, you know, there was a lot of rumors about, you know, a lot of goaltenders potentially being on the mm-hmm. move. And I believe when it's all said and done, Dubnik was the only one that got moved, um, if I was Colorado, I probably would have looked at maybe spending a little more for a better backup. I don't know what the market was, but Devin Dubnik just isn't good anymore. I mean, we saw it mm-hmm. in Minnesota last year Series he was here. We've talked, I think, on this show enough about how terrible his goal saved above expected was, especially last year and then even the year right. before. And, you know, what we've seen, you know, as good as the Avalanche are and as good as their defense is, um, even when, you ha- when there's just not great goaltending, it's still just not great goaltending. Um, you know, and we saw that Devin Dubnik wild of a great blue line. It didn't prevent Devin Dubnik from being bad. So from that perspective, I didn't quite understand it for Colorado. I think it's more an insurance policy because you mentioned they're in a playoff spot. So, you know, I think they'll just look to, you know, win the important games against Vegas and hope that maybe the other teams do their job as they all, you know, kind of fight for that four spot. Mm -hmm. Um, and as the wild, you know, try to fight for home ice advantage and to not play Colorado, i um, maybe they knock <laughs> off Vegas and kind of land the division is to get them that one spot so they can maybe just roll Dubnik with no consequence of whether or not they win or lose those games. But it was interesting for me from that sense. But you know, Colorado also, um, moving on here, picked up uh Patrick Nemeth, uh depth defenseman, uh, for a fourth round pick. Uh let's see, I know they made a couple other ones. And there. I will I got I will of just... Soderbergh too. Yep, Soderbergh yeah. was the other mm-hmm. uh, who was returning to the Avalanche, I believe he was there two years ago.
2: Yeah, he was, uh, you think, yeah, he was there for like three or four seasons before. Mm-hmm. And I will just say one more thing on the Galtany thing, as you just quickly on saying, you know, they maybe wanted to spend more. I mean, the trade that was yesterday was uh, Flames, they uh, traded David Riddick to Toronto for a third round pick. With the 50% retained salary, who they reportedly could have gotten for a fourth round pick if they didn't retain as much or any of the salary. So that I mean, interesting names like that. But you know, like like Brett said, just it was just you know it was interesting that there weren't more like those guys rumored because as you said, they're moved because there was a lot of them who seemed to be on the block. But yeah, no, yeah, just whatever we just said. So
1: yeah,
0: and I will say too, and we'll have an expansion show here as, as that gets closer. But the fact that no goalies were moved. Um, outside of Dubnyk, I think is a really good scenario uh, for the Minnesota Wild in terms of expansion because obviously you know Cam Talbot's been really good this year, um, and there's speculation that he'll, regardless of you know maybe that's changed now with with how Kacken's played his last three games, but um, you know it seemed like Talbot wasn't gonna be the one that was exposed and there was some concern of whether or not he would get taken. But I think as you know none of these teams move a goalie, um, and there's going to be a lot of really good goaltenders. There's about five or six I can already think of off the top of my head from Chris Drieger to whoever Carolina exposes, the Columbus yeah. goaltenders. Toronto's obviously got a situation now where they're gonna have to expose, you know, probably a Riddick or an Anderson. Um, I don't think it's gonna be Jack Campbell, who finally just lost a game by the way, to the to the Canadians <laughs> here. So I think that that's that's a good takeaway there as a wild fan is that it seems like the goaltending situation for Seattle didn't really uh move too much. So
2: mm-hmm. No, yeah that's a, that's a good point. Good
0: point. Yeah. All right, let's see. All right, we'll go to the next big one Uh, here. This this happened yesterday when it seemed like most of the movement uh, was done, and it was a player of the Wilder rumored to be in on a familiar last name as the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs acquired Nick Foligno from the Columbus Blue Jackets in exchange for a fourth-round pick and a first-round pick. They also brokered in the San Jose Sharks to uh, retain some salary. Um, giving up a fourth-round pick for that, as well as uh, Stefan Nozen um, getting that in return. So, uh, ultimately, the, the Maple Leafs got Felino and Nozen gave up a fourth-round, two-fourths, and a first, which, to me, uh, from the onset, was just massive overpay, especially when we see uh, what some couple other names go for later here. But we'll start with this one. Uh really glad uh, Billy mm-hmm. Garen did not pull the trigger on Nick Felino for a first.
1: Right. I thought I we weird interested in him and you now like you like yeah like you said i, I mean I, i'm in the same boat i'm glad we didn't go for him and overpay because originally i was like oh man, he, he might be good for this team but then i was like i was torn because i didn't want to pick up a 33 year old and give up like a first round pick for a rental in a season where you know who knows what we do if we want to make the playoffs if we make the playoffs but i mean we're in transition so i didn't really want to Pick up a rental for a, a future asset, and you know Billy Garen stuck to his word with that, so I was I was happy.
2: Yeah, I, I I agree. I just I to me personally, I think it's the price. I mean, it's 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 a bit much, uh, no matter what team it is. But I think you know this trade was kind of you know as usual in the NHL when there's a trend that works, uh, when when someone does a certain thing with their lineup with their team and they win a Stanley Cup, a lot of teams seem to want to like kind of amplify or you know copy that the next year do something similar and the example is with tampa bay you know with blake coleman and barkley goudreau going for combined two first round picks and they're one of their top prospects you know being those kind of physical depth fourth third fourth liners that helped them kind of push them to that stanley cup win last year so i think that's kind of what maybe toronto is going for here in a way and you know i can see for them you know they this is like their year that they're top in the canadian division they have a very clear path i would think to the stanley cup semifinals this year with no boston or tampa bay in the way this time so i can see from their standpoint why they're just going all in and you know people will say well they have like five picks next two years but i think you know based off the fact that toronto the last you know five ten years has had a huge stockpile draft picks for a lot of young players for me personally it's not as bad from the standpoint of you know, they're going all in on this year. And, you know, that first round pick, you know, you're throwing a couple of two or three magic beans at them in Columbus. And it's better for me than giving up any one of their top prospects like a Robertson or a Lily Grin or a Rasmus Sandine or somebody like that. So I, I didn't think it was as horrible from from that standpoint. Cause if, you know, but it all depends on if you win the Stanley Cup. And if Toronto goes and loses in the first round, you know, then it's obviously going to be a big issue. Cause then you just gave up a, a premium asset for, you know, not even a playoff win, but I think it's a it's a decent risk if you're a team like Toronto who thinks they have a legitimate uh, chance uh, to win the Stanley Cup this year. But you know, like you guys said, the Wild weren't in that class of teams just yet, so uh, they're, they're just. I just think it was decent from the stamp that standpoint.
0: Yeah, it does feel a lot like you know the Nick Foligno could be Toronto's. Um, I would say he's more like their Blake Coleman, kind of that mm-hmm. you know defensive first guy but also a guy that, you know, he plays a lot like Marcus Foligno. I mean, they're very similar yeah. players in that. Yeah, they're not going to bring a ton of offense. Nick Foligno did that a couple years ago, but now he's more of a defensive guy. But, you know, also, I you know, people are point at his numbers, and, you know, Columbus isn't very good this year, and they no. haven't been. Um, so I, I attribute some of that. But, yeah, I think that's a good comparison. And um, I, I, as you mentioned, too, I think the big thing for Toronto, we saw them add a lot of players. and um, We'll get to a couple more um, of their moves here in a second. Yeah. Um, but like you said, Zeke, they don't have to go through Tampa Bay and Boston. And that's the only yeah. time they're going to have that luxury is this year. And I think it makes total sense for Kyle Dubas to push all of his chips in. Cause like you said, they should, um, you know, barring some sort of, you know, major injury to a, a Tavares or a Marner or, or a Matthews or whoever else, it, it should be a walk in the park to them to get to mm-hmm. that Stanley cup semifinal. So why not go in and add, yeah. you know the guys you think you can that can get you there. So
2: yeah, and I will just add, just kind of on the draft picks thing on this, there was a lot of, you know, arguments, a bunch bunch of Toronto fans on there, you know, people were arguing about, you know, which is which is fairly normal with Toronto fans. But no uh, there was a they were going, you know, people were debating about, you know, the value of draft picks, especially this year when it's perceived to be not as strong of a draft, which, you know, I can see that, you know, maybe teams don't value as much, but at the same time I think just wanted to add that I think people are you know, kind of still, I think, in that standpoint, under undervaluing your picks, because that's still a first round pick. And, you know, there will still be good players in there in the first round, and whatever round. And I just, I think that there was a lot of people on Twitter yesterday who in people in general and fans that I've seen in comments or wherever who were, you know, seemed a lot more okay with giving away those picks this year, because they've read maybe that oh, there's not a clear number one overall guy when, you know, still, those are, those are still valuable picks. Just still be NHL players. So I do. It does seem like people, maybe teams, and also just fans in general, seem for whatever for that those kind of reasons, don't maybe value the picks as much as they might have, like, you know, even a year or two ago.
0: Yeah, and that uh, we have a we had a question from uh, Kyle oh, okay. Marlow yeah, okay. um, that you know asked pretty much this very specific thing, and I'll, I'll add on to this. So his specific question was um, with this year being a crapshoot for drafting players, the lack of scouting because of the pandemic. He asked specifically, why do you think the Wild weren't willing to trade their first this year? Um, And you hit a lot of good points. And what I'll add to that is, Mm -hmm. with the exception of the OHL, every other league has played games. And they've played Mm -hmm. pretty much full, half, three-quarter seasons. And these guys aren't just scouted in their draft year, right? They've been scouted Mm -hmm. for a lot of them since they were 15, 16 years old. You know, These scouts have had eyes on them. The last year of scouting basically just kind of moves you up or down. So, to me, like two first-round picks, Zeke, like you said, is still two first-round picks. You could see more variation when you, when you revisit the trade and mm-hmm. it. it's like, ah, oh, you know, maybe that guy should have gone 15th instead of 20th. Like, I still think there's a pretty good grasp on who the first-round talents are. I just think there's some more uncertainty as to, mm-hmm. you know, where in that first round they should go. Um, so, for, for me, that's more of what it is. It's not so much that there's like a, a, an influx of talent or more uncertainty. I think it's more of just the order, not necessarily the skill level.
1: Yeah. And I think this could be one of those drafts where, you know, people say, you know, oh yeah, it's weaker and, and like they said, no clear cut number one. Yeah, that's that's true. But you could also find some really diamonds in the rough and some late round, even late first round picks that you know, maybe any other scouting year, you know, even though they've been scouted since they're young, maybe maybe guys fall mm-hmm. and, and you get uh you know, some really good value out of those late picks that we're probably going to have, you know, with Pittsburgh looking like they're going to make the playoffs and us looking like we're going to make the playoffs. You, you just, you you never know how these guys are going to really turn out. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you look at even who the Wild got in the second round last year with Ryan O'Rourke, Murat, Kuznadinov, those are second round guys. <laughs> you know, when you look at, you know, some of the guys taking the late first round this year, there's still lots of, lots of good players there and we know Judd Brackett's a really great scout and, you know, you know, maybe, it, maybe a low-key thing I think has been considered is if Bill Guerin was, you know, already adamant in keeping those picks, they might have on, their eyes on a handful of guys that they project to be, you know, late-round first picks that they're really mm-hmm. excited about. So, that's where yeah, I'm at. I think it, it was worth it to save those, um, unless, unless again, which there was really no market ever, but unless you were bringing in a top-six center that, with term or that you were going to get re-signed, uh, those picks weren't weren't going to leave. Yeah. Right. You. Yep. All right, well, let's move on to the next trade. We kind of touched on this one already. Um, this is the Maple Leafs uh, again. Um, Zeke, you mentioned this one. Uh, Dave Riddick uh, to the Leafs for a 2022 third round pick.
2: Yeah, well, I will say, I think, I mean, I know Dubas came out, and if I believe I saw on Twitter that he says that he thinks Anderson will play another game for the Leafs. But, uh, you know, from them making this trade, that obviously makes it seem like he's not going to be back to the playoffs. And, uh, You know, obviously Jack Campbell, as Brett mentioned, just lost his first game of the season uh, tonight, fortitude to the Montreal Canadiens. But he's overall been, you know, maybe not a surprise, but he's been a a pleasant surprise in that he's seemingly, in a small sample size, been able to handle the load in that way. Still, still a little bit unknown on them. So I think it was just good for them, especially you know, like I just said with maybe Anderson being hurt and stuff like that. Just especially this season, all teams just have that goaltending depth going into the playoffs uh, is and doing it for. You know, a, you know th- it's a third-round pick, but again, it's for a team like them. It's a cheap price just to get an upgraded net that gives them, I think, just a little bit more security at that position.
0: Yeah, and we've stressed the importance of goaltending this year and goaltending death, yeah. and if Anderson does right. come back healthy, having three healthy goalies you can ride mm-hmm. a hot hand with is it. not going to be a bad thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, go to the next one, which basically made all of hockey Twitter uh, explode and basically <laughs> made everyone compare um, everyone <laughs> trades to this particular one. Um, and I'll preface this by saying, Buffalo Sabres fans, I am so sorry for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> your organization Brutal. is run like a joke, and I cannot imagine being a fan of, of, of your team and just watching what unfolds with this team on, on a daily basis. So the trade was Boston Bruins get forward Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar. Buffalo Sabres get a first – oh, no, they don't get a first-round pick. They get a second-round pick and a good prospect. Oh, no, no, they didn't get a good prospect. They got Anders Bjork. So a second-round pick and Anders Bjork for Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar. Oof. Oof. Buffalo. Brutal.
1: Man. I'm sorry, Buffalo. They got such a good uh, fan base and – you know, crazy about hockey and everything's good about that organization other than who runs it. I mean, they just can't seem <laughs> to get things right at any point. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's just at this point, it's just them. It just seems like, you know, you don't want to say that the guys are bad, but it's just when you're that bad for so long, there's just that it seems to just become that culture of, you know, where you just can't get over the hump. And I think, you know you know kind of similar to buffalo like with taylor hall everyone thought you know when he signed last summer it was a big surprise that he signed with buffalo but you know the thought was always going to go in play with jack eichel put up a bunch of points then either resign there or get traded to a contender and then get a big contract this offseason. and you know i was one of the suckers who fell for that uh, in fantasy hockey this year with my, through three of my top picks got- being from buffalo but uh yeah no i, I I don't know. I just feel like it's just mind-boggling because, I mean, Taylor Hall was league MVP three years ago. He was the first overall pick. He's You know, he's scored 60, 70, 80 points several times. Uh, He's a top-line forward. Like, I know some people were pointing out yesterday, well, why? someone tweeted out a graphics showing the records of the teams he was on saying, well, he every team he goes to, they've been bad. It's like, well, sure, but if you look at it, it's the Oilers, the Devils, the Coyotes, and then the Sabres. It's like, can you really blame in those team struggles in large part to, to play a Taylor hall. Like I I don't, I just don't think so. And it's, I mean, it's great for Boston. They got a, the top line forward, in my opinion, at his best for pennies on the dollar. I mean, really.
1: Yeah. It's insane that players like Nick Flino and, you know, uh, even Jeff Carter brought Sam a better Bennett. return than, uh, Sam Taylor Bennett hall. Yeah, holy yeah, Sam too. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I, and listen, I'll say I, I think I know the reason for that is because teams, like I, we mentioned earlier with the whole Tampa Bay comparison, they they seem to value those kind of gritty role players more who tried that depth. But like, if your options were, you know, we have no idea who was interested, what the possibilities were. But if your options were trade basically two second round picks for Sam Bennett, which is more, or trade you know a second and a depth player for Taylor Hall and like it seems like now obviously that more teams would do the Sam Bennett option or as Justin said the, the Nick Flinn or something which it just doesn't make any sense like i know there's money issues and all that and his 8 million dollar salary was tough but it just it's just sometimes the, the the way that teams seem to think or run run the organizations is just mind boggling that he could go his value could drop solo just because he's having one extremely, in my opinion, if you look, yeah, I've read his shooting percentage stats and all that, just he's been so unlucky this year. It makes no sense overall.
0: Yeah. And we, I believe it was last episode we talked about regression. Taylor Hall mm-hmm. is a positive regression candidate in every sense of the way. His shooting, yeah. he's like a career 13% shooter, and he's shooting like I think it's like 5 6% right now because Buffalo can't, just can't finish. And that's, no. you could argue part of that's on him, but part of that's just the team too. And if you put him, you know, with a with a David Krejci type and you mm-hmm. know, a, a DeBrusque, or you know, on a power play with yeah. Bergeron, Marsh like he's gonna produce. And
1: yeah,
0: it's a guy you know. You know, Boston's been looking for kind of a winger on that second line for a while too. You know, maybe with a down year too. And if he, you know, kind of meets expectations, they can get him on, you know, maybe another maybe a one or two year deal again for you know, to finish out mm-hmm. their 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 cup runs with with uh, that perfection line. Um, with Pauzer knocking the gang too, well, well, they still have them in, in their prime too. So I, it's a really good move for Boston. I mean, it's yeah, even if he doesn't work out, you gave up you know a depth forward and a second round pick for for Taylor Hall. So what? Yeah, well done right right. by the Bruins too. I, I did. I do want to say too, as as we rip other teams, is to make sure we give a tip of the cap to the teams that you know pulled these these big ones off. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: all right, uh, next one here. Uh, kind of a I want to call this one like a blockbuster, a big trade, but you know a significant name the penguins go and add uh center jeff carter from the la kings in exchange for a conditional third round pick in 2022 and a conditional fourth round pick in 2023
1: i mean pittsburgh's are going all in again Now they're look to be set to making uh making the playoffs they just they seem to do this every year as they seem to add one player to try and push them over the edge to win one more cup for sid and, and uh malkin and you know, Jeff Carter's just the the next man up in the in the Penguins roster.
0: A proven winner, as they say.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's won quite a bit in in L.A. So you know he he adds quite mm-hmm. a bit to them. Good good centerman. And adds size and some
0: grit. So good speed as well. Surprising yeah. for an older guy.
1: Yeah, that's kind of. I guess I didn't.
2: Yeah, know that. I just assumed since he was old and has used to be a scorer but it's slowed down that he wasn't all that fast. But hmm, that's interesting. I guess I didn't know that. So. But no, I think I did see, speaking of speed, I think I did see reading an article yesterday that he could be on the second or third line with, you know, with a guy like, you know, former wild player Jason Zucker and a couple other guys who could be on his line. So that's interesting. I you know, how, does anybody, do you guys remember how much they retained on the salary? Because I know it was like 5.7 or something, but I, I think, think they I, maybe. Uh, it.
0: Or I did they do any? another 50% retention?
2: Oh, okay. Cause, cause cause that might make sense. Cause you know, even if it's another year, that's a pretty hefty, uh, cap it. Although as Justin said, Pittsburgh is they're kind of, it's another going all in move trading, uh, kind of mid round draft picks for a guy who, you know, like, like you guys mentioned, you know, I can, everyone can remember those LA Kings teams really good. I mean, he was a consistent, uh, you know, 30, 35 goal scorer, obviously isn't that anymore, but, uh, you know, it's just a, just another depth player with, you know, all, like you guys said that, uh, like Brett said that the uh, playoff style hockey. So, uh, no, it was a bit surprising though, because that was not one we had really heard about this year.
1: That and they get them through next year too, so it's more than mm-hmm. just one yeah. playoff rental. Yep.
0: But yep, always, you know, and that's where you can kind of, you know, if you're the uh, the the person giving away that you have that term control, you can usually bump up, you know, mm-hmm. the, the 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 picks. And I think the conditions are on I want to say they how won's. far Penguins advance. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it's if they win the Stanley Cup, maybe, okay, Yeah. maybe
0: which not a bad condition to throw on it. Uh, Rob no, Blake, another no. one of those former players turned GM, uh, along with Joe Sackick and Steve Eiserman, who we'll get to in a minute, who Wizzy. seemingly know how to run an organization uh, quite, quite well.
1: Yeah, let's hope that Billy G is the next round of players that knows yeah. how to do it too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so far, so good. I like what he's done.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: All right. Uh, getting into another one uh, from today. Uh, we mentioned this one a minute ago, so we'll bring it up again here. The Florida Panthers acquire sam bennett and a 2022 sixth round pick from the calgary flames in exchange for a 2022 second round pick and uh forward emil heinemann a prospect who was taken in the second round last year so basically it was sam bennett and a sixth for two second round picks which yes you guessed it that is a bigger return than taylor hall
1: sheesh that's crazy i just i don't know like you said
0: i before the
1: show you don't know what florida was doing on this i think i, I remember you saying that i mean he's a former first round pick and you know maybe he's had his struggles in calgary but he's never really panned out at, uh, like he was supposed to so i guess we'll see what he can do in the florida's roster but I, I think that was a pretty pretty uh big overpay for sam bennett yeah i think i mean
2: i know he's i think somebody might have pointed this out on twitter earlier i know he's a uh been played fairly well in the playoffs in his career and has put up some points there but i mean he's a fourth line player like i get again he probably they're attracted by the playoff grit mentality but he's a former fourth overall pick who's never scored more than 18 goals 36 points since like 2016 so it's a yeah, like, like Justin said, it's it's probably an overpay. But uh, again, I think the Florida Panthers are another team with who, based on everything I've read, have just been all in and based off on their moves uh, the last three days. They've made like three or four moves. So I think it's fairly obvious that they probably just don't really care particularly about the, the cost of some of these players, including Sam Bennett.
0: Yeah, I still don't understand that one for Florida. I thought yeah. as they were clearing cap, it was to bring in a, a Taylor Hall. I mm-hmm. really thought you know, when they made those trades really on that, that's where they were going after same price. That's what I would have done. Taylor hall with either a Jonathan Uberdow or Alexander Barkoff would have, would have probably been a really good fit. Yeah. Um, But anyway, it is what it is. And again, you know, we could all be all eating our words here in in, three months (laughs) on on how these end up. All right. Well, let's get to the blockbuster trade. It was the last one of the deadline came in on Twitter after the deadline had passed. And one that caught a lot of people off guard. Steve Iserman fleeced the Washington Capitals, sending away a really good player in Anthony Mantha, but getting back four pieces that included Jacob Verana, Richard Ponick, a 2021 first, and a 2022 second. Steve Iserman's world, and we are all just living in it. What a trade uh, for him in the Red Wings.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he gets a player in Verana who, you know, he's. What the last two seasons got 25, 24 goals, young player. I mean, on top of first round pick, and uh, what else did you mention? Uh, just uh, ri- you know, a couple ri- picks and Richard Panic, but yeah, yeah that's Connick's a good uh, bottom
0: six guy and a second round pick as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, Ver- verana has been uh, real good for uh, the Capitals, good young player. So, <laughs> yep, Steve Eiserman is just a wizard, a <laughs> wizard. Like- GM.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah no I, I agree I think it was definitely a win for Detroit but you know I know Manta has struggled this year but I feel like he was really good for Detroit last year when they were god-awful and I know I know he is it seems to be a decent fast kind of still youngish skilled forward so maybe from that standpoint he fits uh, Washington you know they're maybe they're similar to Pittsburgh where they're trying to go all in with, with when they have the remaining years left with uh, with Ovi and Backstrom so that's that's another thing that can make sense but uh, like you said the, the fact that you know, I, I guess it was surprising this trade happened, but at first, you know, you saw the Kevin Weeks tweet out that it was just, uh, it was a uh, mantha for uh, for uh, Verona and panic I thought, okay, but then... Yeah, I was like, oh, that's, thought...
0: that's a great trade for both yeah. teams. That's really oh, yeah. equal. And then all of a sudden, then, like, then there's an and more piece, and I'm like, yeah. oh, no, oh, <laughs> oh, no.
2: And I thought, and you'd think, too, at first, you saw first second, I'm like, okay, well, is one of those going back the other right. way and one coming back the other way? But, and then it was like, oh, no, it's Detroit getting both, which is... You know, I mean, it's it's just surprising, but uh, yeah, no. De- Detroit, they just uh, keep stacking up the assets, the draft picks. They they're in a lot of these trades as like the money kind of taker on, and they'll get like a fourth round pick in exchange for that or whatever. So, uh, you know, like you guys said, Steve Eisman's being snagging up all those picks, and uh, you know, if they keep doing that, I mean, they'll they'll be a good team eventually. Because if you pick fifteen times a draft, then I mean, whew, but yeah, you're no, actually going to hit on one of those, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I know especially when you I, get a good young player like justin said in verona too
1: yeah i think uh, i think uh this could help washington too because it's not like like i said Man- mantha is no uh slouch himself he had uh 25 goal season 24 goal season he's what six five two thirty maybe you know he helps ov and Backstrom help make them one more cup make one more cup run too and then you know the Capitals picked up Michael Raffle from Philadelphia too, so they're they're trying to load up as well as you know Toronto and Pittsburgh try and make that uh, run in the Eastern Conference.
0: And I believe Mantha has term too. I don't know. I might be in. Might be another. I think he just signed like a five-year extension recently too. So yeah, I think I'm it was right. like
2: five. I think it was like
0: five Seven or something like that a year? Yeah, that's a pretty good hit. So I think they got they get another four or five years of Mantha too. So I I, I get it from Washington perspective. Mantha's a great player. He's your modern mm-hmm. day power forward in every sense, um of of the phrase, but just I, they just gave up a little too much. because you and I mentioned, like, if it had been Verana and Ponic, you know, right there. Even like yeah. even Verana Ponic the second, but the first to me was really the tipping point where it made a really mm-hmm. good trade. Uh Verana, I don't remember the exact number, but there's lots of stuff out there I believe over the last like two or three years, I believe he's up there as um, like one of the top five on five goal mm-hmm. point producers. He's been kind of buried in, in Washington on like the third line and he's probably going to go to Detroit and play in a line with Dylan Larkin. Oh, yeah. and he's a year younger. I think he's got some term on his contract as well. Um, and if not, he's a guy that can easily resign probably. And I think it'd be a great piece um, to help build what should be a blossoming young team in Detroit here within the next two to three years. So, Love it for Steve Iserman. Him and Joe Sackick are just um, miles ahead of everybody else. Um, and as a mm-hmm. reminder, too, that dynasty that's in Tampa Bay was also constructed 90% by Steve Iserman as well. So, yeah.
1: Just so you guys know, uh, Mantha's signed for the 2023-2024 season, and then uh, it looks like Verona's a free agent after the season. But like you said, I'd imagine they'd be able to re-sign him.
0: Yep. For sure. All right. Um, just some other takeaways for me for the deadline. Um, first was the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. So they didn't make like any necessarily mm-hmm. like huge moves, but they traded like a ton of uh, you know, kind of these depth pieces, and ended up getting a lot of really good pieces back. And I've been pretty critical of of uh, Stan Bowman here in this past couple of years. So I'm just you know sod Panarin, you know, tr- mm-hmm. getting Z- Zadaroff, Like a lot of his trades, haven't haven't been great. Um, but you know, I think as of late, you know, especially this deadline, he did a nice work of getting rid of lots of these depth pieces to get in, um, mm-hmm. to get in some good pieces. So here, here was their their full summary. Yeah, This is from Mark Lazarus, the uh, the Blackhawks writer for the Athletic. So they got all these players: Vinny Hinojosa, Brett Connolly, Riley Stillman. Henrik Borgstrom, who's a really interesting name as a center, um, who used to be like a really highly regarded prospect, has kind of fallen off, mm-hmm. but could be a reclamation product or project. Um, Adam Gaudette, Ryder Ralston, Josh Dickinson, a second rounder, a seventh rounder, and a third rounder. And I believe they might have picked up one more trade after this tweet, like a fourth or a fifth. Um, yeah, they got a fourth in there too. Mm-hmm. And then lost Matthias Yanmark, Carl uh, Soderberg, uh, Matthew Highmore, Lucas Walmark. Lucas Carlson, Madison, Bowie, Brad Morrison, and two fifth round picks. So, it, pretty impressive. Like, it's a lot of pieces in, a lot of pieces out, but I think to you just even see a second, third round or a couple promising prospects in there and really no one significant out the door is a pretty good job mm-hmm. for uh, for the Blackhawks.
2: And I will say, um, the thing I was most impressed, as you mentioned, with Chicago is that, you know, they're a team kind of right, surprisingly, kind of right in the playoff race, although they've fallen off a little bit. And I think it was kind of as you said good on the uh, Stan Wallman to not uh, you know fall for that and kind of just go okay well keep our guys or even add because we think we got, might get in the playoffs and uh, like you said just good on him to get to ship out those guys who aren't going to be there for very long and just get more young assets to kind of help retool that team again and uh, not go the path of while Nashville has been good uh, I still don't know if that's another team I don't know if I agree with them you know, going and saying, oh, we think we can do anything in the playoffs. But, no, I, th- I think it was a good job of him to just recognize that, you know, kind of similar to the Wild, that his team just uh, is just young and just needs uh, just needs time.
0: Yeah, it was odd that, you know, that Nashville and, you know, uh, Dallas didn't make any moves. Like, you're planning mm-hmm. to play Tampa Bay. Like, yeah, Oof. sell it's off your hard. assets because yeah. you're going to regret right. not doing that when Tampa Bay literally wipes the floor with you in in, in a month and a half
2: mm-hmm yeah yep and then mm-hmm. just to
0: quickly sum up we, we've shitted on the sabers quite a bit but here was the sabers uh trade deadline summary they traded <laughs> away eric stahl taylor hall and brandon montour for a second two-thirds a fifth and anders bjork <laughs> Oh, oh I hate laugh, but, courtesy of uh, greg <laughs> wachinski vspn on uh on that summary there but just just <laughs> absolutely brutal <laughs>
2: Yeah, and, you know, I think the the funny tweet, let me pull it up uh, real quick. Uh, it was from uh, on Twitter yesterday when the Hall trade went out from uh, Dimitri Filipovich. He said, uh, Hall and Lazar for Bjork in a second is the new trade was two for two in reference to the Bob McKenzie tweet from four years ago when he was first traded in New Jersey. So, yeah, oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> and on the Hall thing, I had one more comment. Really stupid trade by Buffalo in the sense that they just traded away uh, the first overall pick in the upcoming draft. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> of course Taylor Hall notoriously wins his team the draft lottery. So if Boston yeah. all of a sudden ends up in the in the draft lottery, look out! Yeah, yeah they, they, they lose
1: uh, the lose eighteen games in a row, yep. get fleeced, and now lose the first round, first overall pick. So that's tough. Uh,
0: but of course, mm. the new uh, with the new lottery system, it seems likely though that they, they oh, can't yeah. fall out the top three unless you know they go on some sort of that's tear true. here, which I, I don't
2: think that. That's happen. true. That's true. Um,
0: my last takeaway here, uh, before we kind of wrap up here, I was surprised that the Vegas Golden Knights didn't do anything, um, especially as you watch. You know, Colorado didn't make any significant moves. Um, you know, they added a backup goalie, they added Nemeth, mm-hmm. they added Soderberg, just some depth pieces. You know, I, I think Vegas is a team who could have you know shorted up that their bottom six. I heard they were in on Ryan Getzloff from Anaheim, but the the Ducks didn't like what Vegas is offering. And I think Vegas too was one of those teams, and we saw it when they had to play with, I believe it was ten forwards against the Wild. They have some massive cap issues, but I was surprised they didn't. You know, there was teams brokering cap and stuff too. I was surprised, see, they didn't make a move because um, I, you know, everyone sees Colorado and Vegas as the top two, Minnesota probably as the, as the third, and then kind of a three-headed, mo- three-four-headed monster for that for that last spot in the West. But it was just shocking me that you know watching Colorado go out and make moves that Vegas end up just kind of standing pat and not, not doing yeah. anything.
1: Yeah, I mean they they did add Mattias Janmark and uh, defenseman Nick De Simone, but I don't think that yeah. that pushes the needle for him. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you guys have any other uh, any other takeaways or any other trades that kind of caught your eye that you want to <coughs> discuss here before we wrap up?
1: Oh no, I just want to say sorry to uh, Isha for his Vancouver Canucks consistently <laughs> seem like they're always in a plan that isn't a plan.
2: Oh gosh, Jim Benning. What a goof.
0: Yeah, I mean uh that would be uh trading Adam Gaudet who they probably could have sold high on last year for Matthew Highmore, who was literally nothing more than a depth forward which Vancouver they got a lot of those guys that they overpaid. Yeah, Speaking God. of overpay, right. too, they just extended Tanner Pearson uh 3 years, three years. like just under three 4 minutes. million um <laughs> when they could have had Tyler Toffoli for basically the same term for like 25k more and like right, it's just bad. I've got a lot of nice people on uh, on Twitter that are Vancouver fans, and I am just mm-hmm. like, ah,
1: man, I got yeah. a feel for them. Because yeah,
0: it's definitely it's going to be interesting for them because obviously they've got three great pieces in Hughes, Pedersen, and you know that the emergence of Thatcher Demko, and now they just have you know just all these terrible contracts. It just it makes you wonder if they'll be able to 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 build around that, or if they end up you know falling into the Buffalo Saber situation where they have you know Buffalo had you know Eichel and and Darlene and. And Reinhardt and that, mm-hmm. but they just never got it going either. I, I just okay. fear it could be heading in that direction for the Canucks. Not good.
1: I think there's one move that is underrated, and uh, it's the was it the who who picked him up? I can't remember. Matt? Vic, Victor Matt?
0: Oh yeah, that wasn't even a trade deadline. It was just a waiver claim. Yeah, no. the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. Uh, Victor Met yeah, from the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Uh, big sure. L for Montreal at the, at the deadline as well. With, Just lost um, him for nothing. Losing Victor Mete for nothing, who I think on most teams is a top-six defenseman and was on yeah. Montreal but wasn't playing because they liked Chirard and Kulak and Edmondson better, apparently, <laughs> but
2: yeah.
0: I have a hard time believing there wouldn't have been a market for him to at least get something. Uh, and They went out and traded for John Merrill, who's fine, I guess, and then also Eric Gustafson, who is the biggest... Yeah. Like defensive black hole in the NHL um, for a seventh. So mm-hmm. they traded like Maryland. They got they got they got Gustafson and in Maryland, I think, traded away like a seventh, a fourth, and lost Victor Mete. Like big L for yeah. the Canadians. But not yeah. good. Yeah. So all right. Uh lots of other trades. Uh, you can go online to Trade Trackers anywhere and pretty much find the rest. Uh, for the most part outside you know, outside the ones we covered, it's a lot of, you know. Mm-hmm. just depth ads or, you know, these low-end prospect swaps and different things. I think we covered uh, the big ones here. Um, and so we will hear quick before we get into the questions, just talk about the Wild real quick. Um, Billy Guerin, uh Justin, you had the quote. Do you still have that up about what he said regarding kind of, you know, what uh, yep. kind of his strategy uh, was kind of going into the deadline?
1: Yep. He basically said, Garen said today was very quiet for the Minnesota Wild and, in quote, our time will come. Uh, when it comes to being willing to give up assets for rentals, both their first-round picks were non-starters.
0: Yeah, and I look at the pieces that were moved today, and there's not really one of them that I'm like, ah, I wish the Wild would have you know made that yeah. trade. Okay. Um, yep. So I was overall happy. I thought by doing nothing, they had they had a good deadline. I think so.
1: Yeah. Mm. I either wanted to get something that helped us now and into the future, or not, do nothing. So I'm I'm happy too. We you know, retain our picks, and we'll we'll see what happens at the draft and if there's any trades there. But, uh, yeah, continue to build this farm system and build this team the right way and uh, hopefully become a franchise that's good for years and years to come at some point.
0: Uh, that said, we do have some questions here regarding the Wild. We'll start with this one from uh, Nick Lane um, asking, if you were Billy Guerin, was there a move you would have made at the Deadline or if tempted to made? Um, I can start... I think the only one that that comes to mind is if I probably would have tested the waters to see if I could get really anything for either Marcus Johansson or Victor Rask. Um, Pretty much like if I could have got a fourth Mm -hmm. round pick or higher for either of those two, I think I probably would have pulled the trigger. Um, Especially Rask because you get the cap dump out of that. Um, And Johansson, like he's he's a fine player, but I think there maybe would have been some interest in him. Um, In the wild, have a guy in Matt Boldy who they'd probably like to get on the wing and by moving out, a winger and Johansson, you maybe open up a spot for him. So that's maybe the one of the two I would have made, and then Rast, like I said, just trying to dump that four million a cap to give you some more flexibility for agency next year too. Um, and one thing we didn't mention when we were talking about Nick Foligno is that I believe uh, Russo's reported to at the Wild have still have a lot of interest, maybe trying to bring him in um, as a free agent too. So you clear off that four million. There's you know four million that could potentially go to a guy like Foligno too. So those would have kind of been the two for me, I think. Do you guys mm-hmm. have, yeah. have, have anything similar or other players you would have looked at potentially moving?
2: Well, I mean, for, for or are we talking about moving out guys or bringing in guys? Either way. Okay. Well, you know, I think just quickly, I, I think same with you, if I could have found any way to get rid of Rask, uh, just as Russo, of course, we don't have to see him out on the power play and in three on three overtime. Yeah. Yes, I would have. Uh, that would have been the, the main one that I would have been trying to move, but, you know, like Justin said, uh, uh, you know, you could just maybe knock around on anybody who's a, a decent kind of center or somebody who's maybe a little bit younger. It doesn't cost a ton. You know, it's nothing spectacular, but maybe it would help depth that way. But, uh, you know, I don't know if I necessarily would have done it if it was the right thing. But considering how much, how little Boston had to give up to get Hall, I would have at least picked up the phone. And uh, if, if I was a GM personally, you know, just give him the call. Because, yeah, I mean, it's, it's against the whole not doing rentals thing. A second-round pick, maybe a decent younger player or prospect, but I still that would have been one if the price is so low on a player like that, even if he's only a rental. Still, I if I was a GM, now that this is again, this is if we were the GM, so this does not mean this is necessarily smart or the right thing. But that's one I would have at least investigate a little bit if considering what the you know the price was for him at that point.
0: Let me give so. you a scenario: Zeke, the Wild would end up trading a second-round pick in, we'll say, this year's draft. And Marcus Johansson for Taylor Hall.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know you, you don't want to just you don't want to lose all your your picks for rentals, but uh, I don't know. I think I would have done that because it's again it's second round pick. You still have your two. You'd still have your two firsts and both of your thirds. Uh, you know, like, you, like Brett said, Marcus Johansson's a fine player, but he's expendable. Uh, and you know, Boss, that would have could been a decent player, I think, who is uh, better uh, even though he was just with Buffalo than I think than Andres York is at this point, but. Uh, no, I would have done that for even if it's a two-month rental for Taylor Hall to get him, you know, on, on a line with either Fial or Kaprizov to just help solidify the top six so that they could have that really together and maybe give them a better shot, uh, you know, winning an extra round or two. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I would have considered that if it would have been off the table. But at the same time, you, yeah, I guess you also consider that, you know, would that really make you a Stanley Cup contender or anything? Probably not. But I think if the price was that cheap, that would have been something, like I said, I would look into for
1: sure. Yeah, I mean, I I'd look into it, but I don't think I'd. Uh, I don't know. I'd do it with knowing that he would resign here, and you know, the, the cap would be something to worry about, and and resigning Fiala and Kaprizov and Eck and all these guys. So mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of on that. I don't. I don't think I would have done it, but at the same time, he would look good on line with those guys. It just. It just kind of just depends on where the money and the and the you know if we could resign them was was at so then if you can't resign him, then you just lost second round pick and if you don't make a run you lost second round pick for nothing basically yeah. just to was, watch him play
0: was there any move you would have made or looked to make potentially either bringing a player in or trying to move a player out
1: honestly it, it would have been uh, basically what they did or you know like you guys mentioned I can't really add much else moving a guy out like Johansson and Rask maybe getting some draft capital or a young prospect or something but yeah you know, outside of that I'm I'm I probably would have stand stood pat like they did
0: all right let's see uh Folino, more than hall we talked about that um mm-hmm. Steve Eisman being a god talked about that uh we talked about the first round picks I answered that one in the comments so we just have two more here uh, both related to matt dumba from uh, a Soft club um first one is uh you know what happens with with matt dumba. Um, and, you know, that the trade line is done, what's the strategy going into the to, to the draft, and does it involve a Matt Dumba trade? This is obviously going to be the big looming question. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, there wasn't really any, you know, heated conversation about Matt Dumba trades going into the deadline, but obviously the Wild are, are in a spot now where, you know, they've got decisions to make, and pretty much all mm-hmm. of them hinge on whether or not they keep Matt Dumba. So, uh, Zeke, we'll go to you first, just looking ahead what do you think the wild do with with matt dumba
2: yeah well i think ideally as we know from last summer they'd like to trade him for like you know for a top six center uh, to kind of fill that role but you know as we've heard from russo and guys in the past it doesn't seem like uh, you know teams were very interested in giving that up for matt dumba and uh you know probably wouldn't be now so you know i think that and I said, th- I think it's obviously very likely, as Brett said, that he'll be traded. Uh, I do think from the value standpoint that he has been really good this year, but I think from some things I've read, you know, there could be a little bit more that he's maybe a little bit more valuable to the Wild than he is to some other teams. Although I still, as Brett pointed out on Twitter yesterday, if, if David Savard can get the first and a couple other draft picks then, uh, that he got, you'd think Matt Dumba would get at least that in trade. But no, I think if for me personally, and what I think will happen is I think there's a decent chance that... You know, I I just I get its possibility that they just let him go in expansion, but I hope they will get get him for whatever they can before they do that. But I think personally that they'll end up trading him to a team, most likely for maybe some sort of futures prospects or draft picks, which they can either have in the bank and and you know potentially use on their team a few years, or also use as pieces in another trade, which would then you know at the same time help them clear up most of, if not all of the you know, Dumbo's $6 million cap hit, which would be, you know, I guess kind of a, an ad in itself in the trade for him in a way.
0: Justin, anything to add or, or, or anything? no, I
1: think he basically picked what I was going <laughs> to, everything I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, you want to try and get something for him, and you don't want to lose him for nothing, but at the same time losing him for nothing to Seattle is really gaining 6 million in cap space. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, well, it'll be interesting to see, but uh, I personally would like to get something for him.
0: But, yep, it, that's kind of where I sit. Here's where I'm at. So I, I definitely agree in the sense that getting $6 million to losing him in expansion is an asset. So mm-hmm. I, I'm all aboard that. So I think for mm-hmm. that reason, I do not see a world where the Wild go for 4-1. and one. I, I absolutely don't mm-hmm. see it going into the expansion draft. I think you just kind of read between the lines with what Garen has said about, you know, a guy like Felino and we didn't sign him to lose mm-hmm. him. And, you know, right. it, would he be the best option off the Wild team? No, but, you, I mean, it's it's pretty well known that he brings leadership qualities. He's a really good defensive forward. He's an analytical darling in that sense, and Seattle's built a really good um, mm-hmm. analytics department, one of which includes Alex Mandricki, who used to do analytics for the Wild, so yeah. She has, familiar with the player, may have been part of the decision with Chuck Fletcher to bring him in. Um, when they traded for him in Buffalo. So I think that's things to consider there. So I he's a guy they want to protect that, you know, just can't get protected if they go the 4-4-1 route. So I think no matter what, they're going 7-3-1. And now, and now here here are my caveats. So I th- caveat one is they go 7-3-1, protect Dumba. And to do that, they get Ryan Suter to wave. Because with Carson Soucy there, mm-hmm. with, you know, a, a Cam Talbot, a Kakanen, or, you know, maybe even one of the forwards that be exposed... Um, Ryan Suter's not getting taken. It's it's not going to happen. Yeah. So I, I right. think he could. And then, you know, all of a sudden they you know you know a little birdie you know gets to Russo and says, hey, do you know that Ryan Suter you know waved his you know waved his his no move so they could protect Dumba? Talk about great press from a, from a market that's been pretty hard on you <laughs> and your contract as of late. Um, so I, I think that's scenario one. And I think right now my gut says that's the most likely scenario is mm-hmm. they get through expansion and head into the draft with Dumba and then maybe figure out what to do after that and maybe still explore the market in the off season once to, you know once teams figure out what their rosters look like heading into next year or number 2 they find a way to move him before um the deadline whether that like you guys said is for assets for a top six center or, or whatever so that's my gut my gut says it's just not a world where they go for 441 i just as the more we go on just the yeah. less i believe it because as you mentioned it's it's 6 million that they would gain um, by losing him in expansion and then you know, on top of that, you get to keep your Carson Soucy. You get to keep Jordan Greenway. You get to keep Marcus Foligno. You get to keep Nico Sturm. Yeah. You keep both your goalies. Like, there, there is a lot of good um, yeah. to be had there. So that's kind of yeah. where I'm at. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that hits on all the questions, everything we want to talk about. We went a little over an hour, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, but hopefully you guys got a lot out of this, you know, maybe got some some quick insight into some of those trades and how they affect and, you know, what's for revalue players compared to, uh, to GMs. And uh, Thursday show will go on as scheduled this week. Whether or not we have a game before then by the Wild still remains up in the air. Uh, obviously, as, as things with uh, Dante Wright here um, – potentially heat up tonight and, and, and tomorrow we'll see what happens uh, with the wild. But um, their game that was scheduled for tonight has been rescheduled a month from today. So it will be played on May 12th uh, against the blues. As of now, that's been the only postponement movement um, as of now. Uh, Russo is the best guy to to keep tabs on to see if anything changes yep. uh, mm-hmm. with that coming up here. So uh, and, any parting thoughts here before we sign off?
1: No, uh- I'm, uh, I think I'm, uh, I'm all set.
2: Yeah, no, nothing for me either.
0: All right. Well, as I mentioned, uh, Thursday we will be back. We'll be talking about Matt Bowley's debut. We'll, we'll be doing a prospect update. Uh, we'll have everything going on with the Wild. With uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about uh, this kind of emotional roller coaster of last week with the the massive loss of St. Louis, the heartbreaker to St. Louis, and then what uh, whatever may happen uh, before Thursday. But until then, uh, that'll do it, guys. Before we go, uh, just remind everyone uh, where they can find you and your work.
1: You can find me at the at D, D East two thousand four. You can find me at Capri Sov at the Capri Sov Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects with Wild Prospects and Young Players.
2: And you can also find me on Twitter as usual at uh, ZB Wild Nation underscore HW. And you can also find uh, all my written work and that kind of stuff at Hockey
0: And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh. Ninety-two, and be sure you are following the podcast uh, accounts both on Twitter and Instagram at Sound the Foghorn, all one word. That'll do it for our special trade deadline Frozen Four recap show. Back at you here in three days with uh, a full Minnesota Wild uh, uh, podcast back on a regular regular schedule. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Fog.